0: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Make it as complete as you can. All right, sir, nodded Jack. Thank you. And now we'll see how complete a job we can make of it. Mr. Summers. "'Aye, aye, sir,' answered F. from below. "'Are you going to consult with your crew?' whispered Danvers. "'They're not the kind of fellows who need consulting,' muttered Captain Jack. "'All they want is their orders. "'Mr. Summers, bring up the sounding-line.' "'Aye, aye, sir.' In a moment more, young Summers was in the conning-tower, and Jack, sounding-line in hand, was out on the platform deck where Lt. Danvers followed him. F. knew by this time what was wanted of him. Hal, in the engine-room, was as yet ignorant of the game, but all Hal had to do was to obey the engine-room signals promptly. Sending the submarine craft ahead at very slow speed, F. steered as close to the bobbing masthead as the young captain deemed safe. Jack shouted his orders back as he and Lieutenant Danvers crouched over the nose of the boat. In the rough sea that was running their work was doubly hard, but F. kept the searchlight all the time, turned in the direction of the top of the bobbing mast stump. In a circle they went around it, barely thirty feet from the broken mast, Jack heaving the sounding-lead. At last he felt it rest on the deck of the sunken derelict. The distance below was six fathoms, thirty-six feet. "'Now we've got the line of the hull,' called Benson to the lieutenant. "'Our next job is to find out how far back this hull runs under the water.' This knowledge also was gained at last. Then Benson, rising— hastened back to the conning tower, followed by Danvers. Jack himself closed the manhole, while F. still trained the searchlight through the darkness of the night. Stormy weather was threatening. Now hustle below, F., and get that loaded torpedo into the tube, commanded skipper Jack Benson. My men will help you, added Lieutenant Danvers. Jack quickly had his figures made. He knew where the hull lay, in what direction, and how far below the surface the deck of the sunken derelict lay. He planned to land the torpedo twelve feet below the derelict's deck, which he believed would strike a full and fair blow. "'Torpedo's loaded, sir,' called F., while the Hastings, under slow speed astern, was gliding back to get into position for the attack." "'Station Biffins by the firing lever, then,' called down Jack Benson. "'Tell him to fire on the instant that he gets the order. "'Now, Mr. Summers, stand by the submerging apparatus. "'Drop just forty-two feet below the surface, then report instantly to me. "'Aye, aye, sir.' "'Lieutenant Danvers stood by the submarine boy, "'intently watching, listening, and digesting Benson's plan. Yet the naval officer ventured no interference. In another moment the hull of the Hastings began to disappear under the waves. Forty-two feet, sir, and stopped, shouted up F. Summers. Ready to fire, Jack hailed. Aye aye, sir. Fire. Fire it is, sir. Have you fired, Mr. Summers? rolled down Jack's next question. Yes, sir. Then turn on the compressed air and bring us to the surface. Aye, aye, sir. The instant that the conning tower stood up, dripping through the waves, Jack turned on the searchlight again. Slow speed ahead, he next signaled. As the piercing rays of light gleamed out over the waters before them, the surface of the sea ahead was seen to be covered with floating litter. "'By Jove, look at that wreckage!' uttered Lieutenant Danvers, jubilantly. "'Everything about that old derelict that could float has come up to the surface.' "'Do you think the derelict is utterly smashed, sir?' inquired Jack Benson, respectfully. "'For this trained naval officer knew more about such things than he did.' That derelict is blown to kindling wood, exclaimed Danvers, himself manipulating the searchlight as they sailed through a sea littered with small wreckage. That derelict will never menace any skipper afloat from now on. Benson, lad, you did a wonderfully keen job. You don't think there'd be any risk, then, in sailing back and forth amid this wreckage? asked Jack. Risk? "'Not a bit,' retorted Danvers. "'Why, look over there,' as he swung the searchlight in a new direction. "'There's that submerged mast stump, free of the wreck and floating horizontally now.' Nor was it long before it was clear to the trained eyes that the sunken derelict had been efficiently blown up. "'That waterlogged ghost of a ship would never again be a source of peril to navigators.' (laughs) "'Now you can turn your nose for Dunhaven, and with a clear conscience,' chuckled Lieutenant Danvers. "'And while you're doing that, I'm going below for another look at that little leak.' Jack ran the Hastings the first few miles of her homeward course. Then he called F. Summers to the wheel and went below to relax. "'It was well on toward eight o'clock.' when the Hastings ran into the little harbour at Dunhaven and made moorings. The night watchman of the yard rode out to meet them, bringing the news that Mr. Farnham, in the Benson, had picked up the crew of the Merry Bond from two small boats at sea. There was a light in the office, so Jack's party went inside. There they found Jacob Farnham at his desk, putting the finishing touches to a telegram. "'By Jove, I'm glad we went out after the poor fellows of the Merry Bond,' cried Mr. Farnham, wheeling around. "'We found them in sore straits, in two small boats with only a pair of oars to each boat, and the sea was roughening up every minute. They'd lost their fishing smack, their boats struck on the stump of a mast of a sunken derelict. The smack sprung a big leak this morning, and went down.' I've just written a telegram to the Navy Department, Mr. Danvers, advising them of the location of the derelict, as well as I could gather it from the captain of the late Mary Bond. With this he handed Danvers the telegram he had written. Lieutenant Danvers glanced at the telegram, and then handed it back with a smile. What do you mean, sir? demanded Jacob Farnham, wonderingly. The telegram isn't necessary, that's all. Replied the naval officer with a smile. We encountered that same sunken derelict, and Jack Benson blew her to smithereens. End of chapter four A Submarine's Revenge.